Hello, this is Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer. Welcome home. Soar into tower. We are ready for takeoff. Manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey, it's Amy from DVC Clubhouse. Hey, Clubbers, it's Scott from DVC Clubhouse. Hey, it's Kathleen from DVC Clubhouse. Welcome aboard, it's Phil from DVC Clubhouse. We are back again for part two of our debrief podcast about our Disney wishes. I am joined by Phil. Hi, Phil. It's not just Phil this time. I feel honored. I have risen in Amy's estimation. Well, I'm paranoid now because you pointed it out. So she's going into Scott and Kathleen withdrawal. That's what it is. Yeah, so we are recording the part part two because we had, turns out we have a lot of Disney wishes that we would like to uh Disney to wishes, put out there Disney the gripes, universe. however we want to classify yes. them. <laughs> right. We have a lot of this is like Festivus. We're gonna it's the airing of grievances. Yeah, the airing of grievances. Maybe we'll title this one the New Year's yeah. resolutions we wish Disney would make. Exactly. They're perfect. <laughs> I love it. So you last heard from us, Phil and I had been uh Talking about monkeys. Of our yeah, we were talking about monkeys of our wishes. And turns out that we have a lot of them. So Phil, I know that that you have a couple more. So do you want to uh Sure, I'll launch into one of them. I've actually stricken one off the list because it'll make everyone upset. So I'm just gonna keep that one to myself. But um we talked briefly about how crowded the parks have become and how tied we have become to using Disney's various systems or events to getting on the rides and experiencing the parks. And I, I know it's a, a subject that's been torn apart left and right, but they desperately need to revamp the Genie Plus system and make it into something different. I think there's a gross imbalance of all the parks. So when we were there a couple of weeks ago, I think we bought Genie Plus three or four times because it was so crowded and because there's things we wanted to do. So now if you look at the Genie Plus system, there's the Genie Plus attractions, plus there's the individual lightning lanes. Genie Plus suffers from, in my opinion, a ton of issues. You know, the first, let's just call it what it is, not being able to choose your time makes it extremely difficult to choose your day and ends up with you running back and forth across the park from side to side. My wife had an ankle injury a few years ago that was pretty devastating. So halfway through the day, she's having difficulties. And we've had two trips on ECVs where she just couldn't do it because of the hardware she's got in her ankle. So when you're looking at what's available and the kids want to go and there's things you want to see and do, you're forced to now bounce back and forth across the park. The second problem as I see it is this variable pricing. So I believe in capitalism. I'm okay with charging based on demand to a certain extent. But the problem I run into is there's variable pricing that always sells out. And if you look at supply and demand, if something is continually selling out, it is not priced correctly. That to me just becomes a matter of trying to scrape nickels out of people's pockets 
just holding them upside down and shaking them until every last bit of money falls out. I don't want Disney really to listen to this part, but maybe I do. I would be much more inclined to have a much higher set price like Universal does, but at least turn it into a true front of the line system. You know, the problem we run into is on one day we got Genie Plus because there was a couple of things we wanted to do, but we were in Epcot. Well, that's all fine and well, but if you go to Epcot with Genie Plus, there's not a whole lot of options there that are really worth the purchase, but you kind of sort of need it. And when you look at Epcot, we got in there very early. Test Track was down the entire day, so that one's right off the bat. Frozen is gone in a couple of hours. So if you don't get that one early in the day and plan on staying till whenever your reservation comes up, that one's gone. Living with the land on a big day is what, 25 minutes in line. So not really worth it to spend it there. Soren, if you hit it early in the day, you can hit it multiple times where with Genie Plus, you only get one shot at the ride. So now if you want to bounce over to another park, you've got to try and backload your Genie Plus. And now you've got to hope that you can get what you want, pay attention to it all day, and you've got to pay a higher price for it because now you've got the park hopper option. I didn't mind the original fast pass system with the paper passes. I know a lot of people learned to game that system. I didn't mind fast pass plus where we could make our reservations ahead of time because as a planner, that made it a lot easier to determine what we were doing that day. But this new system is just charging extra for what I believe to be half of what we used to get. It's not as good of a system, and I'm being forced to pay for it if I want to get access somewhere. It just turns me off a little bit. The thing that's, you know, kind of crazy to me about Genie Plus is that, you know, Walt Disney World vacations are all about the planning. And this new iteration of, you know, line skipping makes planning very difficult let's be clear it's not line skipping it's just paying for the ability to wait in a different line because there are many instances where we get that line and it's 30 minutes instead of 90 well it's like abbreviated you know you're not skipping anything you're like in a in an abbreviated line so i feel as though like this notion of planning at 7 a.m is there's two drawbacks to that number one you have to be up to do that. People, if you're up and getting back at midnight and then you need to be up to make sure that you're purchasing it and then being ready to book your first ride at 7 a.m., like that's annoying. If you're not getting an individual lightning lane because those are selling out in a matter of one to three minutes. So now you have a choice at 7 a.m. You can either prioritize your individual lightning lane for Tron or what is it? Flights of Passage or... Epcot's Guardians of the Galaxy. And by the time those three minutes have passed, now you've got to go for the second helping of whoever hasn't gotten the top draw Genie plus lightning lanes. So you really can't do both. So I feel like we either need to have the option to plan in advance at least one, or or I I don't even know, because it it really makes it difficult then too. Like if you have an, an ADR, I mean, how many times are... Are are you getting a ride that's at the same time as one of your reservations? Because that's what's available. So you just take it. And that's annoying. So I feel like you either need to have the ability to book in advance when you are booking your, at the same time that you're booking your um, dining reservations, or like Disneyland, that you can't book it until you get into the park. 
because there is also something that feels like somewhat like I hate to use the word unfair, but that there are people that might be like lying in their hotel rooms, like stacking all of these lightning lanes while you are there with your family trying to like bang out as much as possible. You're there at rope drop. You should be rewarded for showing up early versus just being rewarded for lying in your bed until you have, you know, three lightning lanes lined up and then you show up. So I, I, I like it in Disneyland where you can't book it until you set foot in the park. And that allows you to also decide if you want it or need it. Because the fact is that you only have the people that are in the park being able to book, which will then allow you to see what the reality is of whether or not you need it. And so when I was in Disneyland, we were able to ride some rides, kind of see how the day was. We ended up buying it because we wanted to be able to hop over to California Adventure and it and it made sense, but... And it makes a lot more sense there because of the concentration of attractions yes. and the proximity of the two parks to each other. So that is the one Absolutely. place I have no hesitation getting Genie Plus. It just works better there. Yeah, it does. It It works better. And I just feel like you shouldn't be able to book until you set foot into a park. I, I mean, I'm sure that there are people who will disagree with that, but I think that that makes it more fair for the people who are actually in the park for them to be able to get times that are going to work for them versus people who are just, you know, and I've done it. I mean, it's the way the system is. You're not doing anything wrong if you're doing it that way. I've done it where I have had, I've gone into Hollywood Studios at noon and had three lightning lane, lightning lanes booked between like 12 and 2.30 and, you know, been able to, because once you learn how to use it well, then you can use it to your advantage. But there's something about being in the park and not being able to, if you're there at 9 a.m. and not being able to get a a time, a return time until 7 p.m. or needing to sit there refreshing like a fool for over and over until something pops up and then you hope you get it, you know, like that's just, it takes the fun out of it. And you should be, you should have to be within a theme park to, to, to book it. That's, that's my soapbox moment about that. Well, you mentioned something too, that I was just going to bring up. My son said to me on the last trip that one of the reasons he loves going is, you know, we own our own business. The kids are in a thousand sports and activities and we're always running around and we do our best to have dinner together as a family at night when we can and we try our best to be present. But he said he loves going because we get true together quality family time. And the one thing I've noticed is you've got to have your head in your phone all the time. If you're waiting in line instead of spending the time enjoying the queue that the Imagineers have put together and interacting with your family, you're now forced to have your head in your phone stalking the next lightning lane reservation or constantly refreshing to find a time that fits where you are in the park or when you're going to be in the park. You should be there enjoying your surroundings. You should be there enjoying what they've put together, that attention to detail. You should be present for and with your family on these vacations. But now you've got mom and dad with phones in their hands trying to book reservations and lightning lanes and trying to make it work around the dining that you had to book at 60 days out in order to get what you wanted to eat and have a reasonable meal. I don't want to be tied to my device. I yell at my kids for having their face inside their devices all the time. And now we go on vacation and in order to give them the experiences they want and expect, I've got to be buried inside a device, which to me is the antithesis of why we're going out together as a family and spending that time together. Well, and then and then the other issue is that if, if they are going to keep the system the way, it, the way that it is, you're right. The dynamic pricing, the way that they have, the fact that these things are selling out 
that's actually hurting the queue because the standby line is just going to be longer because the lightning lane line is longer and they're letting all of those people go on first. So if you are elevating the price so that you really are getting an experience that allows you to walk right on, then the the regular queue is going to just act like a regular queue, not like these, like a holding cell where you need to stand until they let all of these hundreds of people on (laughs) who have, who they've sold out Genie Plus to. And I mean, a couple of things come from that, which is, I mean, I remember just prior to FastPass and immediately post-pandemic when they opened back up, you would wait in hour-long lines, but it didn't feel like an hour. Or you would wait in a 40-minute line that didn't feel like 40 minutes because you were constantly moving. And it does engender a class system for who has Genie Plus and who does not, especially when you're the family that stopped at the merge point and you've been waiting for an hour on a ride that was listed as 45 minutes and you see 70, 80 people come past you what do you take home to the people that you work with and your family members and talk about what your Disney vacation was, what you're coming back and saying, look, we waited in this long line. And because after we paid 200 ahead for the park hopper ticket, we didn't spend another 28 ahead. Therefore we didn't get to get on the lines with everybody else. I heard some interesting stats the other day. Um, and I was sharing it with a friend of ours who has an autistic child, you know, and they use the, um, DAS system and they were quite upset because they feel it's actually adversely affecting DAS. The stat was that approximately 300 lightning lanes are given out for any big e-ticket attraction over the course of an hour. So the e-tickets are serving roughly 12 to 1500 people per hour when they're operating at full capacity. So of that 300 should be lightning lane and the other we'll call it nine to 1200 should be the regular line. What they're finding is that the DAS system is being abused because people want access to that line and that 3% of the park visitors are actually taking up 30% of the ridership. And that is what's truly holding up the standard line. So the friend of mine who, you know, and they're, they're some of our very best friends, we hang out together all the time. Their son, who's my son's, one of his best friends, just can't handle those lines. I mean, he's, you know, very active. He's got to be moving nonverbal autistic and they get into the DAS line and it's still 35, 40 minutes because they're finding that people are just abusing that system. So ultimately the way they've got the system structured is hurting your regular line guest and it's hurting a lot of the DAS and it's also adversely affecting GD Plus because now a line that should have been 10 minutes long full of those who either paid for it or legitimately qualified for it, it's being overloaded by everybody. They truly need to completely revamp that system. Again, I am not a universal fan. We don't go there, but they do it right. You pay a lot of money for that pass, but it's front of line access to anywhere you want to go. And additionally, another one of my pet peeves has always been that, you know, we pay a lot of money for, I know this, you and I joke about this all the time, deluxe hotels and deluxe access. There's no longer, with the exception of a couple of nights a week where you get an extra half hour, an hour in the park, there's no longer any distinction to what you get for what the deluxe guests are paying. Universal throws that pass in. And their hotels are actually more reasonable in a lot of ways than ours 
they've got to figure out a way to revamp this system in a way that works for everybody. I'm not against them making money for access, but if you're going to make the money, I expect a product that actually follows through for what I'm paying. And it goes back to our party conversation the last time for the amount of money we're spending, I expect a commensurate return on that. And if I'm not getting that, it's just a money grab. Yeah, totally agreed. Well, that brings me, that's a good segue to one of my next wish list slash grievances, and you just said it, is this 30-minute early entry. Just to me, it's like, what does an extra 30 minutes do, really? I really miss the one hour, like being able to get into the park an hour early. That felt like it really made a difference. Especially when they're really releasing the rope droppers five to six minutes early. It's really only 24, 25 minutes by the time those crowds are flooding in behind you. Yeah. So I wish that they would go back to having those parks open, you know, and it and it doesn't have to be every day. I mean, I think that like they tried to say like, oh, well, you can get into any park 30 minutes early any day. But I would rather have set dates where I can get in an hour early. And I mean, and maybe now with like the park hopping restrictions being gone, they might be able to do that. I think that maybe because park hopping was what it was. I used to rope drop early entry, get as much done possible, and then like hop to a different park. And so you couldn't, you can't do that with the restrictions. You can't just go early entry and then hop. And even with the new restrictions that they're pulling back in January, it's not going to affect the annual pass holders, even though staying there on a resort stay. Yeah, true. That's that's a wish for me is because I just feel like my morning experiences on my early mornings are different. They're just not as productive as they as they used to be, where you felt like you really could get two or three things done early morning and then hop someplace else or or just stay in stay in the park. But you're but you're ahead of the game because you've already banged a bunch of that stuff out. And also that would help with the overall lines. If these people that are getting into the park early can actually get a bunch of stuff done, then you're removing them from some of the the most popular attractions lines. So I only see that as a benefit. And I'm fine with the tiered system. You know, all resort guests, because people spend a lot of money regardless of the level to stay on Disney property, give them something to reward them for that stay. And if you have to break it up, whether it's, you know, value gets in at a certain time, you know, maybe moderate gets in at a certain time, maybe deluxe still keep the later hours, but give us a little more, you know, maybe your dining reservations, your something. If you truly want to call yourself a resort and reward the people that are staying at your resort and reward it based on the tier of hotel you're staying at, let's make a system that makes sense. And if you want that extra access, you can pay for that extra access. I'm not adverse to that. I'm adverse to having to pay for a lesser product. Yeah. I, I mean, it feels like that's kind of a theme is that prices are higher than ever. And especially if you're somebody who has been going for a long time and you have something to compare it to, it's like you can't help but see the difference in experience. Look at a commercial from the late 90s. And they talk about your experience, you know, and before you leave home, here's your yellow baggage tags and your bags will show up in your hotel room. And when you get to the airport, here's our Magical Express. It's a complimentary transportation. I didn't like Magical Express, but I appreciated it for what it was. I loved the baggage transfer. And by the way, 90 days out as a 
hotel guest, you get to make these reservations early. And 30 days out as a hotel guest, you get to make your fast pass reservations early. And when you get here, you get in early in the morning. Oh, and by the way, you get two extra hours at night. Now they're like, welcome to Disney. Give us your money. We cater to the day guests. Have a good day. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, and kind of similar to the to the early entry is the extended evening hours. And, and I, I mean, it really has only been like a huge noticeable issue for me at Epcot. But there's just so little to do at Epcot during those extended evening hours that I wish that it, at Epcot they would keep the countries open like fully functional for extended evening hours because that's the part of epcot that i love the most so to be able to have some time in those countries with it less crowded and if they want to close the festival booths fine but keep the countries open keep those shops and the food kiosks like the the snack kiosks open i would love for that to for them to make epcot a like the extended evening hours at epcot to really include World Showcase rather than just, you know, Remy and the two boat rides. Especially considering, you know, I've got two little kids, so keeping them out late at night every night is not an option. But we have no problem when we go down without the kids. You keep the World Showcase open until 11 p.m. We are going to take our time. We're going to enjoy World Showcase. We're going to go in and out of shops. We're going to eat. My wife's going to have a drink. If we've got the kids, we've done it in the past, we'll get a babysitter for that night just to go enjoy some adult time. And frankly, most of the adults I know don't want to go back-to-back test track and mission space. They want to go back and enjoy World Showcase. Pay attention to what your customers are saying. And by the way, when I get the survey... Ask the right survey questions, not the questions in such a way that you're trying to get a very specific answer out of me because I have no problem leaving commentary. Yeah. All right. What else have you got? So this is a, you know, I I said at the end of the last one, this is a nitpicky issue. But as I mentioned in the last episode, I really enjoy the, you know, going back to my resort, being able to sit and like have a glass of wine and talk to people and observe people. and. It just bothers me that so many of the lounges close at 10 p.m. I would love for them to be all open until midnight. And a hard close. I I have a a couple of friends that were watching the NCAA finals, and it was five minutes left in the game. The bartender was like, no, it's 10 o'clock. I mean, he shut down the television with five minutes left in the NCAA finals, was like, sorry, guys, it's 10. You're out of here. See you later. Yeah, that's that's not right. (laughs) I mean, that's 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 silliness. But yeah, I would love, I think that they should be open until midnight and they, you should be able to get food. I mean, how many times do you hear that people that think they arrive at the resort at 10 o'clock, you know, if they took a 7 p.m. flight, they arrive at the resort, they're so hungry, you can't get anything. So if you could just have a place, like I like to feel like my vacation has like begun. And if you arrive late at night and not even that late, like 930, 10 o'clock should is not, it's not like you're getting there at 1 a.m., the restaurants in my little beach town close at 10, 10.30. I mean, and I live in a little tiny town that's 13,000 people. If you can keep that restaurant open until 10 p.m., you can give me some food at Disney until 10, for goodness sake. I feel like each so at each resort should have a lounge that's open till midnight where you can get drinks and food so that if you come home, if when you come back from the park, if you just want to sit and unwind, because like I'm I'm not a person who comes home, comes back from the park and it's like, OK, I'm ready to get into my bed. I like to be able to kind of like wind down. 
And so to be able to sit in a lounge after 10 p.m., I'm like, I'm, I'm an adult. I shouldn't have to be like back in my room at 10 o'clock and calling it a night. And to the point of Disney leaving money on the table, actually, that that's the point I was going to make about about World Showcase is that for extended evening hours, they're all about making money. You're not making any money for me if I'm if I'm on test track or soaring. You're making money for me if I'm sitting at La Cava del Tequila with my friends eating chips and guac and having a margarita. So like, let me do it. And the same thing at the the resorts. Let me order snacks and drinks until midnight. And then the people that are coming late or the people that are coming home from, especially for the resorts that parents would feel comfortable leaving their like somewhat older kids in the room. If they want to go to bed, the parents can go down, have a drink and then go back. You know, it's just, that's like a huge pet peeve of mine. I feel like Disney just like, it's like, Everything just closes and then there's nothing to do. And you're stuck on property, which is by design. We have no problem with that. We want to stay inside the bubble. But I don't want to have to find my way over to Disney Springs with the kids at 10 p.m. at night. It's an hour to get there and an hour to get back. Disney Springs closes at 10. I mean, that's not even late, Eddie. The only thing that's open, there's a couple of lounges at the moderate resorts that are open until midnight and Jelly Rolls, which is open until like I think 1 which is not where I'm going to bring my kids at 10 p.m. for a meal. That's for well, sure. Well, you're not allowed. You you have to be 21 to get exactly. into Jelly Rolls. So, I mean, there's really no options. We find it's a problem for us. We have gotten in the habit lately. You know, we had always taken the 6 a.m. flight out of the Northeast to get down there early. But what we found was you have to wake the kids up at 3.30 in the morning, get everyone up and ready, get them to the airport, get them through security, get them something to eat, get them on the plane, then you've got to get to Disney. It took too long to suffer from for lack of a better term, that that hangover for the kids from getting up too early. So our thing the last couple of years has been taking like a 6, 6.30 p.m. flight out of here because that's really the last reasonable nonstop down to Disney. But that doesn't put us on property until 9.30, 10 p.m. So what we found we have to do is get them food at the airport, try and feed them some dinner, get some junk from the airport gift shop to keep them happy when they hit the hotel room because we get to the room They've got to be up. We've got to get unpacked. We've got to get everything done. And there's no food available for them. So really, they go to bed miserable because they're hungry. They haven't had anything to eat since 5 o'clock, 4.30 when we got to the airport and they've been traveling nonstop. I'd happily run down to a lounge and get some things or sit them at the lounge just to feed them. You show up late to property, you're right. There's nothing available for you. It just shuts down. And, you know, for lack of adequate transportation to get to other places, just because it's so long of a process to get from A to B, it's a problem. Give me just one small lounge that serves small plates and appetizers, and I'd be incredibly happy. Yeah. And they're making money, so they should be happy too. (laughs) So what's next on your list? So you talk about nitpicky, and I don't know if this is nitpicky or it's just the nostalgia in me. It drives me absolutely out of my mind, both at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. And this is my, if you can grant me one Christmas wish, I will even take this over fast past lightning lane hell. Stop serving chicken nuggets and quick service food at the Golden Horseshoe and the Diamond Horseshoe. Those are iconic locations inside of both parks, especially Disneyland. You walk into where the Diamond Horseshoe Review with Wally Bogue, and there's so much there. There's so much history, and you walk inside that 
absolutely beautiful building that used to have a stage show and dinner, similar to Hoop Dee Doo Review. And there's just a bunch of windows serving chicken nuggets and bad cheeseburgers. Bring back a show or a reasonable meal to those locations. You could kill it, especially at Walt Disney World and Magic Kingdom. There's such a lack of good, solid dining options there to begin with. I mean, there's some winners, but there's not a lot. It's quick service hell at Walt Disney World if, if you're going to Magic Kingdom. Give us a stage show. I will pay hoop de doo prices to sit inside the horseshoe and watch a stage show and have fried chicken. The infrastructure is already there. And at Disneyland, you have killed an icon. You have absolutely destroyed history by putting a quick serve chicken nugget mobile order location inside of where Wally Bogue performed in 1955. And it makes me want to weep in both fury and sadness. Amy's laughing. I'm laughing at your, your pain. I, I walked in there for the first time at Disneyland, being a Disney history geek like I am and knowing what actually took place there and how iconic it was and how central to the Disneyland experience that Horseshoe Review was. And I walked inside and it's these beautiful carpeted stairs and these brass railings and hardwood and the floors right there. And there's a guy serving smelly grease stained chicken nuggets across the counter it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, the, the food options at the magic kingdom. And I mean, and honestly, I think across the theme parks, well, I really think it's a magic kingdom, Hollywood studios issue more than an Epcot animal kingdom um, issue, but those two parks, like the food just, it's, it's not great. And going to Disneyland, I mean, I being at Disneyland where Again, I mean, people are going to think like I'm a wino. I keep talking about wine. <laughs> but everywhere you go in, in Disneyland, you can get really good wine. Granted, it is in California. And California is known for having great wines. But like quick service restaurants where you can get, you know, and, and restaurants in the theme parks where you can get a, like a good glass of wine and you can get a, just great snacks quick. Not just at like actual quick service restaurants, but in kiosks where like the food is delicious like and not just snacks full meals at disneyland the that quick breakfast serve, chimichanga at disneyland was like one of the most delicious things i've ever eaten in my the quick life. service at disneyland will outdo 80 percent of the sit-down restaurants in orlando at walt disney world i will die on this hill when we went to disneyland you know we have family that live right there and i was losing my mind because i wasn't making a bunch of dining reservations because they don't have the glut the surfeit of sit-down restaurants that we do at walt disney world and my sister-in-law kept saying don't worry about it the quick serve's fine and i'm used to walt disney world quick serve and i'm thinking to myself there's no way i'm eating chicken nuggets and mac and cheese and horrible cheeseburgers for the entire week i've got to figure this out she kept trying to reassure me don't worry about it the quick service is good my lord folks she was not exaggerating i would do quick service at 90 percent of the disneyland walk-ups before i did a sit down at 70 to 80 percent of the walt disney world sit downs and it's not like it's a backwater in anymore. the theme parks in the theme parks i'm sorry in the theme parks there are some fantastic resort we, that's a whole other conversation that's actually a good idea for a show 
but it, it's night and day and why they can't make that transition to a major metropolis like Orlando is beyond me. They're not lacking access. They're not lacking good food. They're not lacking service providers. They're not lacking wholesalers. Why am I subjected to the same mac and cheese chicken finger fare at every walk up I go to when Disneyland, there's more in Paradise Pier than there is in all of Magic Kingdom. No, you're so right. I mean, that was that was uh, also something that I had been told when I was going to Disneyland and was asking for dining um, recommendations. And people were like, you don't have to. In fact, people think that they prefer the quick service to some of the sit down. That was our experience as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was blown away by by the quick serve there. I mean, it's just it's well done. And the thing that's cool about Disneyland is that the weather is like always great. So you sit outside and it's a pleasant experience. Whereas like in Walt Disney World, if you have to sit outside eating like a burger or mac and cheese, like you want to die because. Well, you're either melting into the pavement or you're in so many layers of clothing. It's ridiculous. We had we had both of those last week, didn't we? Yeah. Totally. You said something that triggered another one of mine, and I have to think about it for a minute. I don't know. I can't. It, it'll come to me. I can edit out the dramatic pauses. No, that's it for me from that one. I mean, I've got, again, one more that will probably torque everyone right off, but why don't you go ahead? Well, I I, I remembered what mine is. And again, mine has to do with with booze, but it's more so, you know, when you go to downtown Disney, um, in Disneyland, they have the, um, Ballast Point Brewery and and restaurant. And that is a, I mean, it's one of their larger, um, San Diego breweries. It's like gotten quite popular now. It's not really, I wouldn't really call it like craft beer anymore the way that used to be, but you know, Florida has a ton of breweries and I just don't understand why they don't put one at Disney Springs and have better craft beer selections throughout the parks. I mean, the, I just feel like Disney World, I guess this is a, a complaint about all of the things. Disney World just feels like it's so corporate, like it's all about their corporate relationships lately, where it's like you've have unless it's like a Coke product or an Anheuser-Busch product, like you're not getting, there are very few locations where you can get something that's very local. And I feel like Walt Disney World should be doing a better job of kind of amping up their local businesses and promoting local businesses and having, um, you know, like I guess they did it with Gideon's, but they could do that with other Central Florida or just Florida and general businesses at Disney Springs and bring a brewery to either Disney Springs or, I mean, that Big River Grill, like their beer, it's just not good. And so I feel like, you know, that's that's uh, another wish list for me. It kind of is morphing into that is just like the dining situation over at the boardwalk. Like I I, I need some, I, I need there to be some, some dining I- interventions happening over We've there. We've talked about this before. I think all four of us said the same thing. I and mean, there's some real winners over in that area. There truly are, especially if you count in Swan and Dolphin. But at the same time, they're lacking some options. There are only a few real solid winners. And then you've got some stuff that's really just not that good. And there's nothing in yeah. between. Yeah. So that that's that's a, a wish list for me is just enhanced enhanced dining at Boardwalk. It could be like having a you know, a better craft brewery where River Grill, Big River Grill is. And also just taking that space 
I mean, they could put something really phenomenal at Atlantic Dance Hall. So I'd love to see them develop that space and just have a, a better dining, you know, situation. Like when, when we did our Crescent Lake versus um, Seven Seas Lagoon conversation, the dining at Seven Seas Lagoon, like it definitely is superior to that at Crescent Lake. So I would love to see enhanced dining over there. Well, I think that's across property. And I think it comes down to what Disney knows they can get away with. You've been to Disneyland. You know that if you don't like the meals on property, there's 20 solid restaurants that are all within walking distance that are easy to access on nice, wide, safe sidewalks. You can walk right off property and go do it. They don't have to do that at Disney World. They can cater to the lowest denominator because guess what? Unless you drove in, and even if you did drive in, it's a pain. They've got, what, 26 square miles there. The average visitor, especially those staying on property, you get what you get. You don't get upset, according to my daughter's kindergarten teacher. That's what it is. What are you going to do? Right. Are you going to get off property? You're going to hop in an Uber and go find somewhere else in Orlando to get food? Or are you going to feed the kids right now with a turkey leg and a horrible cheeseburger? Disneyland has to compete. Well, and because Disneyland is a locals park more than it is a, a tourist park. You know, Disney World is, while there are a lot of locals, it's it's a huge tourist destination. And at Disneyland, they have to make the food good. Otherwise, people will just go home and eat Or they'll just take their food with them. I, yeah. I can bring in crappy food in a cooler. Why would I pay you $17 for a crappy sandwich when I can put Uncrustables in my backpack and bring it in with me? Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it kind of comes back to this conversation that we've we've touched on before about just what Disney valued, like, in the 90s versus what they value now. And I really do think that, and maybe I'm just seeing the past through rose-colored glasses because we have a tendency to do that, but the 90s was a time where the experience and the quality of the experience was something that they valued. It was a priority for them to deliver a quality experience. And so the resorts that they were building, the restaurants that they were opening, they all like it. They wanted them to be the best. It was the Disney difference. There's no yeah. longer a Disney difference. There's not. And, you know, you've got and I, and I haven't stayed at a universal hotel in a, in a long time, but having, you know, just looking into them and, and learning about them, I think that they don't. I, they don't look as authentic as some of the Disney resorts, but, you know, like I'm saying, Disney resorts that were built in, in the 90s, they definitely are looking to bring value. That, to me, is is the difference, is that I think that Disney kind of feels like Disney has a superior superiority complex. Well, they're going to figure that one out real quick in about a year or a year and a half when Epic Universe opens. Yeah, well, I, I mean... It will be interesting to see what what they do and what they what the response is, because I feel like they have been kind of feeling like they can get away with whatever because people love love the product so much. But we're starting to see where they're cutting corners and it's definitely impacting our experience. Now, for me, you know, I love Disney. I'm going to continue to go. But same here. I can see myself especially now that I'm, you know, going so frequently, like I, I just made plans to have dinner with somebody off of Disney property when I'm there in February. I don't, I would never have done that. 
but because this it's you know tom and pam atwood i'm having dinner with them at the four seasons which i guess it's technically a disney property but it's not a disney owned restaurant it's actually a true deluxe we could get into that conversation too yeah truth and so we're gonna have dinner there but i you know in the past i never would have done that but they have raved about what an superior dining experience it is so i'm gonna i'm gonna do it and i will continue to do it if i feel like the disney experience is not measuring up to my expectations and we've seen it and i have been disappointed because you know i think my final one of my final i believe it's my final wish is my wish is that california grill would go back to being an a la carte menu not prefix amen and that the quality of the food including the sushi would go back to what it was like 10 years ago you know what i'm not even going to make my final point because i will get behind that one 110 percent it used to be something that my wife and i did when we'd go to run marathon weekend when we'd go down by ourselves california grill was our grown-up you know, real true signature meal, the sushi, the plate, how it was plated, the presentation, the service, all of it. It was expensive, but it was worth it. You would have a fantastic meal, an attentive server. Everything came out wonderfully prepared, an incredible view. And we have not been there since they changed what they did. And we will not go back for what it is right now. They took what was truly a gem at that resort and i'm not just talking about at contemporary at the walt disney world resort it was the gem and they've turned it into again just what they could get away with because they're living on the reputation of what california grill was and i think that speaks to your previous statements i think walt disney world right now is still subsisting on the reputation of what disney used to be and what the disney difference used to be and i think california grill is absolutely a perfect example of that you know a mark of a really exceptional restaurant is one that you've been to many many times but you can remember each specific time you were there they don't just all blend into each other and and that speaks to the quality of like you just said the quality of the food the quality of the service each time i would go was an event in and of itself, even if it was not for a special occasion. I mean, I've I've been there to celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, just, you know, adult-only trips. My kids fell in love with that restaurant. It became something that is so special to them. And the only time I dine there now is if my daughter Allie is with me and she insists that we go because it's nostalgia for her and albeit very expensive nostalgia at this point. Isn't it all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but I won't go anymore because this, this, ex- I mean, the last time I was there, I got the pork tenderloin, which is like one of their signature dishes that they've been serving forever. And it was so overdone. And when I told my server, she was like put off by the fact that I said to her, like, this is, this is over, overcooked. And then she, she, I mean, she, she did bring me a new one, but it, you know, it just totally took five away from years the ago, there would have been three waiters ripping it off your table and bringing you something to munch on in between with apologies, just embarrassed as could be. 
Well, and the fact that it's prefixed, like normally if it wasn't prefixed, they would have removed it from the bill. They would have brought me a new one and removed it from the bill. But because it's prefix, they are not removing anything from my bill. They're just bringing me a new one and feeling annoyed by it. I mean, that 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 was my experience. And so but when I but when I think back, you know, I've had, you know, my, my dad died like seven years ago. But I have like some very poignant Disney World memories with him and California Grill memories with my dad are amongst them. And, you know, even like I have great memories with my ex-husband there and I have great memories with with my kids there. I mean, I could think, you know, girls trips like I remember I can I can see the table that I sat sat at. Remember what I ordered. Remember who the server was. Remember just like I could close my eyes and be in each of those individual experience because that's how amazing that experience was, was that each individual experience there stands out as a special occasion. That's probably, if I had to talk about my biggest disappointment over the past couple of years in Disney, the fact that they ruined California Grill is maybe number one. Yeah, it's funny. We had actually promised the kids that we would take them to California Grill specifically to, to have that experience and to have that memory of having that signature meal, let them get dressed up, let them enjoy it. My kids are fantastic in restaurants. We are supremely blessed with how well behaved they are in their manners. And we had said that this is something we'll do and we'll plan it and you can look out over the Magic Kingdom and have this wonderful meal. And we took them to a couple of places here that are very fancy restaurants and we were planning for that. And then they changed it. And now we won't bring them. And we were very honest with them. Look, we'll go just about anywhere else. We're not going to go there. And we were specifically looking for exactly what Cali Grill used to be. And I'm not paying the prices they want. Again, I'm happy to pay the money. And especially on food, I'm a nut, I'm a foodie. I will spend a lot of money on good food, but I'm not going to spend a lot of money on bad food and bad experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame. I, I mean, because it really was like, to your point, it was for me, I mean, Victoria and Albert's aside, because that's such a niche dining experience. California Grill was like the pinnacle of, of Disney dining and it no longer is. And it's sad. So that that's my final wish is and and honestly, if I, I think I feel like I mean, I, I had a lot of wishes, but really, like if I had one wish, that might be the number one for me right now is like I just want California Grill to be what it was. So universe, I've put it out there. All right. I'm split Josh tomorrow. I've put it out there. The the horseshoe return and Genie Plus. I'll have to think long and hard about which one of those would be my top wish pragmatically i'd say genie plus but uh, if we're talking about the feels i gotta go back to the horseshoe review it always goes back to the feels feels i had to bring up the feels you want to take us on out yeah i think that's it so everyone thank you again for um for tuning in listening being a part of our shenanigans we would love to hear what your disney wishes are so join us in the conversation on facebook at dvc clubhouse and until next time, we will DVC you real soon. See you guys. And so our journey comes to an end. Oh, no, please. Can't we go back to page one and do it all over again? Started this thing together. And that's how we're finishing. Because that, my friends, is where the magic lives. Happily ever